Greetings and welcome back to Book of the Year, our weekly Tanakh Seer that we, under normal circumstances, hold in our beautiful young Israel century city. And now, due to COVID restrictions, are doing it online. Um, my name is Yitzchak Yatshalom, and I'm delighted to be studying Sefer Breshid with you, The Life of Avraham, as we're studying this year, and we are now up to Perak Chafal of chapter 21. In this year, we're going to look at the first 21 psukim. As you can see on the handout, it, they uh, comprise exactly one parasha. If you look in a Sefer Torah, you will see that which is Pasuk Aleph, is the beginning of a paragraph, and it ends with the words, which is the end of the paragraph. In next in the next year, we'll deal with the next parasha, uh, of, uh, which is the second half of Parakaf Aleph. But for today, we'll look at it, and as I titled it, it's a son is born and a son is exiled. Uh, this is the story of the birth of Yitzchak, but it's also the story of the, of the banishment of Yishmael. So let's read through the story, and... Um, some parts of the story we understand to be quite germane to the flow of the narrative of the life of Abraham, and some of them seem to be extraneous, uh, difficult, and we'll deal with all of that. God remembered Sarah just as he said. He did it for Sarah exactly what he said, which was promised twice, both in the end of Lech Lecha and at the beginning of Vayera, Sarah would have a child. She became pregnant, and she gave Avraham a son to his old age. Exactly at the time that God said he would, if you remember when the three Malachim visited, he said, I will come back to you at this point in time, a year from now, evidently, and the Saraven. And now, Avram called this child Yitzchak as he was commanded to do twice. And now, by the way, looks like it is only referring to the Brit Milah. Avram did Brit Milah on the eighth day. This seems to be the first person that had an eight-day, eighth-day Brit, because all the others were done when Avram was given the command. Yishma was 13, Avram was 99. Uh, Avram does the Brit Milah and Yitzchak as, on his eighth day, just as God commanded him. Now, just as God commanded him could be referring back also to his naming him Yitzchak. We already knew this from the fact that Avram is 99. God says a year from now, um, you're going to have a child, etc. But we're told Avraham is 100 years to accentuate um, the, his, his advanced age when Yitzchak is born. Vatomer Sarah, and Sarah then says, and maybe this is at the Brit, at some sort of celebration, it seems to be a festive statement, Tzchok Asali Elohim, God has made laughter of me. Now that can be read in at least three different ways. One of them is totally positive, God has made great happiness and joy here. The other is in a very opposite way, God has made me sort of a laughing stock, which is unlikely to be said here. And the third is that God has done something that is, shall we say, curious and perhaps a bit funny, which is to have me at this advanced age have a baby. And we followed up, which says, anybody who hears about this will laugh Lee. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean they'll laugh at me or they'll laugh with me or they'll laugh about me? So each one of these reads is possible. And then she adds, Who could have ever said this about Avraham, Milel, and that, and that Sarah would nurse children? And this famous Midrash that Sarah 
um, not only became pregnant, but of course her, she, she lactated again, and all the women around brought their own babies to be nursed by Sarah. Uh, indeed, I've given him a child at his old age. Okay, and that's that scene is around the birth. Now, so the boy grows up, that's Yitzchak, and he is weaned. He's weaned. And they would make a big party when when uh, a child was weaned. Avra made a big party at the day that um, that uh, that Yitzchak was weaned. Uh, this party, by the way, is the focal point of an interesting, very old Midrash, in which uh, Satan comes to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and says, look at this, Avraham had a big party, and he didn't bring you any korbanot. And that's the, the response, God's response is, to, that I'll make him bring this child up as a korban, and it kind of is a prelude to the Akedah. We're going to talk about it in a few weeks when we get to the Akedah. Now, Sarah sees the son of Hagar. No, no, it's no names here, but she sees the son of Hagar, Amitzrit, who gave birth to Avraham, for Avraham, Mitzachek. What does that mean? Is it positive or negative? Mitzachek, does that mean doing something to somebody else? It's really unclear. But what is clear is that Sarah disapproves. Now, is this child, and we don't know who this child is, we think it's Ishmael, but it doesn't, it's never named that, is this child uh, having fun with Yitzchak? Is he acting like a nice big brother and playing games with him? Is he teasing him, perhaps? Is he maybe doing very bad things with him? Unclear from the text. Very famous uh, Midrash that uh, Rashi quotes here, the Metzachek refers to Avodah Zarah, and it refers to Gilrayot, and it refers to Shvichut Tamim, because, of course, that's what we kind of like to do with certain characters, is to ascribe to them the worst of the worst. It's unclear here what it means, and I'll suggest something else in a moment. Vatomer Avram, she turns to Avram at, at this party, or after this party, says, Garesh Hama Zodved Bna, get rid of this slave girl and her son. This boy will not inherit with my son, with Yitzchak. Now, what that seems to say, just looking at, the, at her own words, is that her concern with having this child be around and the house, the son of Agar, is that he's going to divide the inheritance equally. And I want Yitzchak to be the only one to get an inheritance. So I don't want him to get it with Yitzchak. Which then means that maybe we have to look back at Mitzachek and read it not as something negative that he was doing, but rather the opposite, that he was being like a good big brother, he was playing games with him, he was being friendly with him, and Yitzchak had a big brother, unlike Yishmael, who grew up alone, Yitzchak has a big brother with him, and that means that they will naturally grow up together, be friends, and when it comes time that Avram dies, they'll divide the estate. Um... The Midrashim, of course, go in in general, go in a different direction, but it's certainly possible to read it that way. Uh, as, and Sarah insists that he be he be driven out. Now, what what happens is Avraham is very upset on behalf of his son. Which son? So we assume it means the son he's going to drive out. We'll call him Ishmael, but it's unclear, and I'll mention that at the end of this uh, at the end of this piece, what that that unclarity may mean. But um, Avraham is upset. On the other hand, it may be that Avraham is upset on behalf of Yitzchak. Avraham himself has lived most of his life alone, at least his adult life that we read about. Um, Avraham's son, Yishmael, grew up alone, meaning no brothers or sisters. 
And now Yitzchak has a chance to have an older brother, and now he's, he feels bad for Yitzchak that Yitzchak also has to grow up alone. So Aladot Beno can go either way, and we're going to see that its placement in the parsha where it is actually uh, recommends that it be read in both directions. So now what happens? Hashem says to Avram, don't feel bad about the child and about your servant girl. Everything that Sarah tells you, listen to. Because Yitzchak indeed is the one through your, which is going to be called your seed, meaning that Yishmael is your child. And by the way, Yishmael, we will hear later on, is blessed with a big nation because he's part of the chain, the train, the, uh, the, the, the lineage of Abraham, who's blessed. But Yitzchak is going to be the one who's going to be called near Zerah. He's going to be called the, the, called the legitimate heir to Avraham. So sending Ishmael away is really the right move. Sarah knows what she's saying. Follow what Sarah is saying. But don't worry about it. And by the way, this echoes something that we heard back in Lech Lecha when Hashem told Avraham that he's going to have, that Sarah is going to have a child. And Avraham laughed. And then he said, Halavai, that Ishmael should be able to survive. God says, don't worry about Yishmael, he'll be fine. But Yitzchak will be the main man. He repeats that here. He says, I'm going to turn this child of the Amah into a nation himself. Because he is also your child. Okay, good. And now, which is a phrase we've already heard once, and that was when Avraham went to look, overlook the destruction of Stom. It's a phrase we're going to famously hear in a little while when Avraham prepares to go to the Akedah. And this is the middle one of them. Avraham gets up early in the morning. So he, he takes bread, he takes a flask of water, and he gives it to Agar. He puts it on her shoulder. That's Vayashkem. We'll talk about that when we get to the Akedah. But notice, he doesn't give her an, a pack animal with lots of stuff. He gives her as much water and bread as she can carry on her shoulder. Parenthetically, and this is one of the problems, the identity of this child here, is the child throughout this story, the one that we think of as Ishmael, is portrayed as a little child. However, Ishmael at this point should be about 17 because Ishmael was 13 when he had the Brit Milah. That means he was 14 when Yitzchak was born. And that means that if Yitzchak is weaned at, let's say, the age of three, it likely was even older, then Ishmael is at least 17. Doesn't sound like a boy who should have to have his mother carry his stuff for him or the other things we're going to hear in here. And that's why Rav Yol bin Nun suggests that this child is actually a child of Ishmael, a little baby who's being driven out. However, there's many difficulties with that approach in the text, and it's not the direction we're going to take uh, because of the difficulties of calling him Ben Hagar instead of Ben Ben Hagar, and uh, and uh, if this is really a grandchild, getting rid of him is not going to help with the Yerusha because Ishmael's still around. So there's difficulties with it. However, we must acknowledge that that portray the portrayal of this child here is a very young child. And so what happens? He puts this on his shoulder, and uh, and he sends her out. He sends her out and the child. She goes out into the desert near Beersheba, which is where they live, and she gets lost in the desert. This happened before with Hagar, remember? She ran away in Beersheba towards Egypt and got lost or needed to be found. 
And so the water predictably ran out. She took the child and she cast him down under one of the bushes. And she found a bush, maybe for shade for him. But what does she do? She goes far away, sort of facing him. This is a nice bit of foreshadowing. She goes the distance of a shot of an arrow. We'll see why that's foreshadowing. He amra I can't sit, watch, stand to watch my child die. She's coming. She's going to die. He's going to die. Brutal heat. They've been sent out of the house. Clearly, not enough water to get around. She's lost. All terrible. <clears throat> so she sits there and she raises her voice and she cries. Now, I want to point out before we go any further that. Already in this story, the name Yishmael has has been a little bit has been imp, imp, uh, imprinted. Uh, if we take a look, for instance, in Pasuk Yod Bet, God says, "Kol Asher Shma Bekola." Shma is, of course, an allusion to Yishmael, um, and it even shows up earlier in Pasuk Vav. Sarah says, "Tzolka Sali Elohim Kol Ashomea Yitzchakli." And so it, it's almost as if Yishmael's presence is, is blended into the story here. Now, back to our piece, Hagar is crying. We don't know what the boy is doing. We don't know how old this boy is. But God hears the voice of the child. And a malach calls to her, Keep that in mind. We're going to see how that comes back in a couple of psukim. I mentioned at the end of the reading. And the Malach says, don't be afraid. God has heard. Again, Shama Elohim, Shmael. God has heard the voice of this child where he is. And this is the second time Hagar with Yishmael, the first time in utero, has been out in the desert, no water, and a Malach has, has found her and has helped her and, and guided her. And he says, Pick the child up, take your hand, hold him. He's going to be a great nation. And then, God opens her eyes. She sees suddenly a well. There's an oasis there. She fills up the flask with water. She gives the child water. God is with this child. Uh, and he grows up. He lives in the desert, and he is an archer. And now Vayeshev Midbar Paran, he lives in Midbar Paran, which is near Midbar Sinai, it's in the north Sinai. And his mother takes for him a wife who is an Egyptian woman. Makes sense, Hagar herself is an Egyptian. Okay, that's the story. There's a lot of things in this story that are difficult, as we pointed out, like who this child is. He seems very young, and yet it seems to be Yishmael. The name Yishmael is in this. Hagar is the one who cries out, but God hears the voice of the Nar. Um, but another piece here is the whole second half of the story seems to be unnecessary. In other words, Avraham, the birth of Yitzchak is what we care about. God himself said, Yitzchak, 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 and then the exile of Ishmael, so I have one pasuk. Avram's upset that Sarah wants him. God says, send her out. He sends her out. Why do we need to hear the story of Ishmael almost dying and Hagar weeping and then a malach coming and saving them and his future in Mitzrayim? So one little thing I'd like to point out here is, uh, is Ishmael is somebody whose shadow extends beyond his own life uh, in Sefer Breshit. 
Uh, and that's a premise we have to kind of establish here, which is that we have a tendency, following the spirit of the Midrash, to caricaturize people in Tanakh. And as part of the Midrash's job, to take Avram and turn him into a superhero, to turn Lavan into a supervillain, etc. But the reality is that all characters, both in real life and literature, all characters are textured. And uh, these real-life characters of both Avraham, but also Ishmael, Esav, Lavan, are textured. They're not totally evil. And we have to read, honestly, what's going on with them. It's an interesting thing about Yishmael. Yishmael is sent away from home because of difficulty with a sibling at the age of 17 or so. He ends up dying in the desert, and water plays a role in that. And then suddenly there's an intervention, and he ends up being very successful, and Vahi Hashem et God is with him, and he becomes very successful, and he ends up marrying an Egyptian woman. Which, by the way, should remind us of somebody a little later on. Yosef leaves home when he's 17. He ends up almost dead. He is saved and ends up becoming very powerful. And we hear the phrase, Vahi Adonai et Yosef, God was with Yosef, and he ends up marrying an Egyptian woman. And to add to that, who is it that brings Yosef down to Mitzrayim? Yishmaelim. So Yishmael continues to exist in our story here. All right, that's an important piece of the puzzle. A second piece to the puzzle. You notice that here there are terms that remind us of the Akedah. The child's about to die, and a malach appears to the parent and stops the parent and helps the parent out, and the child is saved. And you think about it, really what's happened here is this is another kind of an akedah. His hands aren't tied together, Avram's not with him, but a parent gets up early in the morning to take the child out and to go on a journey which looks like it's going to end in the child's death, and the child is saved. That's why Professor Uriel Simon of Bar-Ilan University, uh, wrote an article years ago called Akedat Yishmael about this particular parsha. You see the parallels are very strong. There's yet another component to this story, but to see it, we have to turn to the next page of the handout, which shows the suggested structure. And this is a suggested structure, which uh, one of my teachers, uh, Rav Elchanan Samet, suggested. I heard this in the shir from him, and then I, I read it, and, I, and he suggested this layout of the parsha. Um, one of, of Samet's pet points about reading narrative in, in Tanakh is that narrative is invariably presented with two equal halves. And if you look at it, we have 21 psukim, which would mean that you'd have 10 psukim and 10 psukim and one in the middle. The one in the middle is called the axis. That's the way he refers to it. And this is a great example of it. You see that the first 10 psukim all are about Yitzchak. Matter of fact, as you can see highlighted, Yitzchak's name shows up seven times in the first seven psukim. Uh, Yishmael is not part of this story at all. It's about the birth of Yitzchak and the weaning of Yitzchak. That's it. And um, and um, the, the light word, the key word throughout this parsha is, is Yitzchak. The last ten psukim are all about Yishmael. Yitzchak is not there at all. He's mentioned for an eighth mention, which is also a critical piece of the puzzle, but he's not present in the story of the last ten. The last ten are about Yishmael. So it's a balanced parsha of Yitzchak and Yishmael. But there's much more to it. Remember on Pasuk Yod Aleph I mentioned that there is a deliberate ambiguity about which son Avram is 
pained about when it comes to the exile of Ishmael. And that's right in the middle between Yitzchak and Ishmael. Is he pained on behalf of Yitzchak that he's going to grow up alone without a brother? Pained on behalf of Ishmael who's being sent out? And so it's smack in the middle. But it gets even better than that. You take a look at the first five psukim. They are all about Hashem fulfilling his promise. Hashem made a promise and the promise happens. And those five psukim are exactly about it, which is why Pasuk He goes back and tells us something we already know, that Avram is 100 years old when the child is born. The last five psukim, mirroring that, are also about Hashem fulfilling his promise. His promise was, I'll take care of Yishmael. And that starts with Vaishmael him and Kolana. Remember, we pointed out that Yishmael, we don't hear Yishmael crying out, we hear the mother crying out. But it, Hashem hears the, hears the child and responds and takes care of him because that's his breed with Abraham. We go back to the top half of the parsha and we see that there are three psukim which are a celebration of the weaning of Yitzchak, which is full of, wick, of liquids. There is a mishteh, so there's wine. There is uh, nursing. Uh, so lots of liquids flowing. We turn to the three psukim towards the end that are, that are uh, pasuk yodalad through tetzayin, and we see that it's exactly the opposite. It's a lack of water, and the only water that's there is the tears of Hagar. We go then to Pasuk Tet, and we see two Pasukim, so things get smaller. Tet and Yod are about the conflict. There's a conflict. Sarah sees, Yitzchak, sees the boy playing with Yitzchak, and Sarah wants him out. And the two Pasukim parallel to that, Yobet and Yod Gimel, are the resolution of the conflict, in which is God comes down and says, listen to Sarah, send him away. Yitzchak will be the main guy, but don't worry, I'll take care of, the, of, of Ishmael. And right in the middle is Avraham's feeling bad for both of them. It's an elegantly structured parasha, and we can learn much about the way that narrative in Tanakh is presented from this example. One last point that's worth bringing up is something about Sarah's claim and, con- and concern. Sarah says, I don't want uh, this boy to inherit with my son Yitzchak. What is her concern? After all, Yitzchak is the proper child of Avram and Sarah, and uh, Yishmael is the child of Avram and Hagar. Why would he inherit? So it's an interesting thing is that Avraham, as he's presented right after the Akedah, before his successful purchase, Amarat he's presented as a Ger V'toshav. We're going to talk about that a lot when we get to it. But a Ger V'toshav means, I do live here, but I'm a stranger. I'm not really part of here. And where does Avraham actually come from? He comes from Mesopotamia. And in Mesopotamia, right around the time of Avraham, there was a king, Hammurabi, who establishes a law code. We have discovered it. We have the steel of the Code of Hammurabi. And we know that this was a code that was maintained through much of the Levant during that time. Avram coming from there would be familiar with these laws and very likely his little camp would be governed by some of these laws. We see numerous examples of it in other parts of Avram's life. But here's a great example of it. If you take a look at the Code of Hammurabi, it's on the bottom of the handout, in paragraph 170, it reads, if his wife bears sons to a man, or his maidservant have born sons, and the father, while still living, says to the children whom his maidservant has born, my sons, and he count them with the sons of his wife, meaning, if a man has sons with his own wife, but he also has sons with his maidservant, and at any time in his life he refers to them as my sons, then... <clears throat> 
the sons of the wife and of the maidservant shall divide the paternal property in common. The son of the wife is to partition and choose. So in our example, if Avraham turns to Yishmael at some point and says, my son, then when he dies, Yitzchak and Yishmael will equally divide the property, but Yitzchak gets to decide how to divide it. But that's it. If, however, paragraph 171, critical, the father, while still living, did not say to the sons of the maidservant, my sons, and then the father dies, then the sons of the maidservant shall not share with the sons of the wife. So if Avram never calls Ishmael my sons, Bini, then when he dies, the, uh, he doesn't get any inheritance, but the freedom of the maid and her son shall be granted. But one thing is that Hagar and Ishmael would have to go free. The sons of the wife shall have no right to enslave the sons, etc., etc. Okay, which means now that what, what is Sarah is actually expressing in very real terms what her concern is. I don't want this boy to inherit with the Yitzchak. How would that happen? That would happen if Avram at any point was to say, my sons, when he's looking at Yitzchak and Yishmael, Banai. Or if he was to look at Yishmael and say, Bani, evidently between when Yishmael was born and now, that hasn't happened. So why is Sarah suddenly concerned? Because what does Sarah see? Sarah sees Yishmael Mitzachek. I'm going to read Mitzachek in the best possible, possible light that Yishmael is enjoying Yitzchak's company. The two of them are brothers. Yishmael is going to take a, keep an eye on his younger brother. He's a good older brother. And at that point, what might happen? Avram will turn and say, my sons! And who's going to be the first person to show up at Avram's funeral? Yishmael's lawyer. He's going to say, on this particular date, my client was referred to by the deceased as my son, and therefore he gets an equal inheritance. And therefore, what does Sarah want? It's at this point that Sarah realizes the danger, the concern, and Sarah fending for her own son, has Ishmael expelled in order to make sure that the inheritance will only go to Yitzchak and not to Yishmael. And in any case, a reading that we're familiar with, it's the reading of the first half of the reading on the first day of Rosh Hashanah, hopefully got some new insight into the reading from several different uh, perspectives. And uh, in the next year, we'll look at the second half, Parakhafalf, which is the rest of the reading of the first day of Rosh Hashanah also, which is the Brit with Avimelech, and that will lead us up to the cusp just before the, uh, the, the grand story of the Akedah. In the meantime, everybody should have a wonderful Shabbat.